Hey, it's been a great series because we're talking about time. It's something that's common to all of us. We all get 24-7, right? 365, and we've been saying you, you, you can't make time. You can only choose what you take time for. And uh, so before we jump into uh, part four, I, I hope and want to encourage you that you'll take time for First Wednesday. It's this coming Wednesday, March the 4th at 6.30 p.m. For all of you Rock Bridgers that have been participating in Pray 24, which has been our 24-day prayer initiative, we're all going to uh, fast starting on Monday and end the fast with the Lord's Supper on, uh, on Wednesday night. And, and, and by fasting, that could be food, that could be Coke, that could be social media, that could be caffeine, that could be for one meal, that could be for a certain part of your diet. So uh, you're praying about that, thinking about that. Small groups are participating on that. We're praying for you as we ask for more of God and the favor of God and, and our lives to be moving with God in rhythm with God. So hope you'll take time for First Wednesday. And, and as you fast, that you'll take that time that you would have spent on a meal or you would have spent on Facebook and you'll direct it toward your time with God. All right, so I, I want to ask you, you can raise your hands or you don't have to raise your hands, but how many people are like to-do list people, right? I'm a to-do list person. You use your smartphone or you use a, old school and you use a list. Here's the cool thing. I, I get fired up when I cross something off, right? Or I com ch check completed. I mean, there's like an adrenaline rush or something for to-do list people when you start checking that stuff off and then when you get finished with your list, you feel great, right? So even if you're not a to-do list pe person, all of us are plans people, right? I mean, we've all got plans. Some of us, I mean, it's, it's planning the next big thing, it's planning the next party, the next time with our friend, the next date, it's planning our career, it's planning our day, it's planning our, our weekend. We're all, or planning our life, we're all kind of plans people. And, and, and so as we're learning in this series called Rhythms, as we're learning to move with God, step with God, spend time with God, there's going to be an inherent tension between how you want to spend your time on your plans and what God wants to accomplish. So, so hear me. There's a tension, okay? And, there, and, if, and if we don't get this tension, a lot of people will leave the faith, leave God, miss God, not understand God if you don't understand this tension. So there, there's a tension between what you want to plan for and take time for and what actually God wants to do through you, in you, and with you, okay? Now, this tension is highlighted in, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 19, 21. Here's what it says. You can make many plans... But the purpose, uh, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now, for to-do list people, that's kind of scary, right? Because what it could mean is, hey, something you've, or for plans people, something you've planned to do may not align with God's purpose. So something you're planning to do, there may be a disconnect between your plans and God's purpose. And when we say God's purpose, that's what God's going to do. And when we say God's purpose, that is God's plan and per permissive, or that, excuse me, that is God's why he created you, why he died for you. And so if we don't understand the tension, the dynamic between plan and purpose, then we could miss God. Because isn't, isn't this true? And we've, we've said this in this series. Many of us are asking God to bless our plans. And when God doesn't bless our plans, we don't question our plan we question our God. And, and then sometimes we question our God so much that he really ceases to become our God. And, and so that's the depth of the tension and why we need to understand this tension so much. And, and so what I'm hoping to do through, through God's presence and the Word of God is to, is to show us this gap, right, our plans and God's purpose, and, and to fill that gap in. 
Because, because listen, nothing wrong with plans. But if plans cause us to miss purpose, then, then there's a challenge, right? And, and so this final, series, this final sermon on rhythms, we're going to talk about time with God. And we're going to talk about being in rhythm with God. But we want to talk about it in a way that closes this gap. Because we never want our plans to come at the expense of God's purpose. Rather, we want our plans to be aligned with or our plans to help accomplish God's purpose. So we're going to see this in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at how Jesus spent some time. We're going to look at how Jesus' disciples spent time with him. And we're going to get somewhere as we navigate through this. So the Gospel of Mark, we're in chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, in the New Testament, the back half of your Bible. If you don't have one Bible or can't turn your Bible on, you're welcome to read with me on the screen. Mark was the first Gospel written, the first biography of Jesus that was written. It's the shortest one. It's about 16 chapters. It's fast it moves quickly uh, to get Jesus from his birth to Jerusalem where he dies. And, and as we're heading into the pre-Easter season and beyond, it's kind of appropriate that we're here in Mark's gospel chapter 10. So we pick it up here and it says they were on the road and, and being on the road or on the way or on a journey is a theme that Mark uses to tie his book together. Uh, that is, there's constant movement. So we're on the road going up to Jerusalem and this is when Jesus is going up to die, going up to die, you know, what we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks, Easter, the crucifixion, the resurrection. So he's on the way going up to Jerusalem, and he was walking ahead of them, the crowd, and taking the 12 aside again. So he takes his 12 guys, and he pulls them aside. So this is time with God, time with Jesus, because Jesus is God. So that he pulls them aside, and he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. He said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem for the cross. And the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite title for himself because he's identifying with humanity, will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. And then they will hand him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. And he will rise, that's Easter, after three days. So Jesus predicted how he would die and Jesus predicted that he would come back to life. Now they don't really get the significance of this, that Jesus is going to die for them. Jesus is going to die instead of them. They don't get the significance that this is the, the most prevalent and, and amazing display of love ever in human history of Jesus taking our place on the cross. They don't get all, all, all of that. But Jesus is explaining this to them and, and that he is going to selflessly and sacrificially die for them. In the very next conversation, James and John take what Jesus just said and make it all about them. All right, here's what they say. James and John, the son of De Zebedee, approached him, Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do. I mean, that's like us, right? Hey, God, I've got some plans, and I need some old blessing on these plans. And, I, and I, what, what does it take to crack the code, to get the favor, to get the blessing? What does it take? So we want you to bless our plans. And, and we've been there. And, and, and so Jesus says, okay, I'll play along. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And they said, allow us to sit at your right and your left in glory. Give us a seat in your cabinet, Jesus. Give us a seat at the head of the table, Jesus. They're asking God for power, for prestige. They're asking God for those kinds of things. And it strikes me that this is what I will call the normal question of men and women. The normal question that drives so much of our day, so much of our relationship with other people, so much of our relationship with God, and it drives a lot of the plans we're making. And the question is this, what good can I get from? 
Or where can I get good back to me? What good can I get from? We're, all, we're always asking this question, is God going to do what I want? Is life going to turn out good for me? Is this date going to turn out good? Is this job going to turn out good for me? Is God going to do good by me, for me? And, and so there's that, this orientation, and, and, and we wake up. I mean, you don't have to teach your kids this, right? This is why your siblings, this is why your, your brothers and your sisters, this is why your kids fight. You, you don't have, you go to work, you know, and, and this is what, you, you listen to people debate on TV, you listen, you listen to the NFL, the collective bargaining agreement, right? That's all going on for you foot, pro football people, it's the owners and the players, and it's all, what good can I get from this? It is the driving, defining question. In fact, go back, to, go back and look at Genesis 2, 3, Adam and Eve, right? God, it was per- everything was good. Everything was perfect because God gave them perfect. God gave them good. God gave them a mission. But, but Eve looked, and said that, that, looked over there at the fruit and said, that looks good for me. And she ate it, rebelled, gave some to her uh, passive husband. And the rest is history. So this question has, of, of what good can I get for me has driven a lot of things bad. A lot of marriages die because that's the dominant question. That's right there. What good can I get from? So Jesus dives into this. And he says to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink? Now, when Jesus refers to cup, he's referring to his death on the cross and all that that would accomplish. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And and so he's talking about the cross and being baptized is identifying fully with people and their condition. So are you able to do those things? And, And they have no idea. He's told them about it, but they really have no idea. And he said, they said, well, yeah, we're able, they told him. And Jesus said to them, well, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. So you are going to live a life patterned after my death. You are going to live a life as my disciples, my apostles, patterned after my selfless, sacrificial death. You're going to live a life that is not defined or driven by the normal question of what about me, myself, and I. But he goes on, he says, but to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So when the 10 disciples hear James and John asking this, what about me question, they began to be indignant with James and John. I I bet they do. I bet they do. Because you and I would say this, you and I would say this as well, right? That they're asking this normal question, and when you ask the normal question, it will cause relationship problems. It, it, it'll cause problems with the people you work with. It'll cause problems with teammates. It'll cause problems in, in marriage. It'll cause problems between you and God, if that's the only question you ask. And so what we see here is that the disciples' time with Jesus, that they've, he pulled them aside, talked to them about the cross, and then this conversation emerges. The disciples' time with Jesus was ineffective. Now, I'm going to explain that, but here's where that makes a lot of religious people nervous. Religious people are box checkers, but religious people have a to-do list, okay? And if they get everything on the to-do list checked, they assume God is good with them and they can go about their merry way. So, so it depends on what your religion kind of is. It's, hey, do I have the right translation of the Bible? 
Check. Did I go to church? Check. Did I, did I drink or cuss or smoke? Check. You know, or, no, I didn't. Did I go with girls who do? No, you know, I mean, and, and so we're just checking this stuff, right? I just wanted to clarify that, right? <clears throat> so we're just drinking, you know, we're just check, check, and check. And then your, your list can be four things, five things, 10 things, 25 things. But as long as the list is completed, you and God are good. And, and so here's the thing. Don't, you can't approach time with God as just a check, a box to check, and that now you're religiously satisfied because that's not the goal of time with God. Their time with God was ineffective because they kept asking the normal question, what about me? What's in it for me? So, so what is the goal of this life in rhythm that we've been talking about for the last three or four weeks? What is the goal of spending time with God? What is the goal of, of all of us who have been getting these texts every day at 11 a.m.? Those of you who subscribe to our Time with God devotional that comes out uh, every day, what, what is the goal of that? What, what is even the goal of, of just an hour or so a week in corporate collective, we are one worship? The goal of time with God is simply this, that we draw relationally close to God and we live practically like his son Jesus. That we draw relationally closer to God and we practically live more and look more like Jesus. And we live practically, that should say live or look like or live like Christ. Now, are the disciples doing this? Or at least James and John. They're not looking like Christ in their conversation. They're not looking like Christ in their ambitions. They're not looking like Christ in, in their desire. They're saying, bless my plans, and they're missing God's purpose. So that, their time with God was ineffective. And, and so Jesus is going to course correct them and, and have more time with them because he's patient with us. He's patient. Thank God for that, right? We're not changed instantaneously. We're changed progressively. So he calls them over for more time with him. And he says to them, you, knew that the, you know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. So he says, look, the normal pattern in life the normal pattern in politics, the normal pattern in human dynamics is to take a position where you get over someone. And that's what you've been asking. Because we assume if I'm over them, I can control more good back to me, right? It's that normal question that humans, all human beings ask. So he said, that, that's normal. This is what everybody wants. This is what everybody does. So he said, he's like, look, look, look. we don't need to pray like a non-believer, you know, you can pray like an atheist. You can pray like a non-believer. Because I promise you, there is nobody that does not pray for, hey, good, good, doesn't want good stuff to happen to them. There's nobody who doesn't pray that stuff. There's nobody who doesn't say, God, I want my, my, somebody to get healed or this to get healed. Nobody. nobody. God, bless my day. Bless my job. Bless the, nobody, everybody prays like that. He said, I want us to pray better than a non-believer. I want us to live differently. I want us to be driven by a different conversation and a different question. And so he gives the alternative. He says, but it is not so among you. On the contrary, on the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you, which is what you're wanting to do, James and John, will be your servant. You're going to serve others. You're going to help others. You're going to bless others. 
And whoever wants to be first among you will be, and he changes the word, it gets stronger, a slave to all. And you're not going to be driven about what's good for me. You're going to be, how can I help others? How can I help y'all? How can I help other people? And then he uses his example, and he points back to the cross. He says, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's the cross paying for people to be freed from their sin and their eternity apart from God. So he says, look, even I did not come to lord it over. And if anybody has the right in the human flesh to have a place of prestige and power and prominence, it's the Son of Man. I mean, he left heaven and the glories of heaven to walk in our flesh, to confine himself to 24-7, 365 in broken humanity, in a broken system, in a broken world, to bear the brokenness that we caused. So if anybody has the right, it's me, but I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I didn't come to get, I came to give. I came to set people free and pay the price they couldn't pay. And so Jesus is reorienting his disciples. So time with God... Time in a church service like this, time in prayer, should have a reorientation effect from myself to serving, self to serve. It should have a reorienting effect from what can I get to what can I give. And it it should have a reorienting effect from I to the cross, from I to the cross. And, And so it's like this. Most of us have no problem with this, right? This comes quite naturally to us to live for I. Comes quite naturally. That question, what good can I get today? What good's going to come of this for me, I, right? I mean, this is just such a motivator. It's such a driver. And and, and we're so blinded by the power of, even though this will lead us into sin, this will lead us into stupid, this will lead us into bondage so that we need someone to pay our ransom to get us out. Even, even though this, this is such a blinding power, we are so blind to it that we assume God exists to lift this up. And when he doesn't, we're upset at God. God, my plans, I! And when he doesn't, we're confused. And, and what happens when we meet Christ What happens when we accept that ransom and we see his selflessness and we see the cost of his love, the depth of his love, the length of his love, the eternal duration of his love, slowly that time with God, we start to put our eye down and our life starts to look more like this. Not, Not that we're going out and being martyred, but that we're living for others. The cross was for others, you and me, all walks of life. Jesus died for you. The cross was selfless. The cross was sacrificial. And and, and so we start to look more like this. So if our time with God doesn't have a movement from here to here, it's ineffective. And something's off. Because what Jesus is showing his disciples is this is to be the shape of our lives. That we live to serve. We live to give, not to get, not for self. So I'm going to say it a couple of ways so we see this. The cross is not only the means of eternal life, but it's also the way of life for the Christ follower. 
Right? So, so the cross, it, it, as Jesus is teaching us here in Mark 10, the cross is not just this is how you get eternal life and go to heaven. This is how you live life as my Christ follower. Yes, you're going to bear the cup. Yes, you're going to be baptized like me. Yes, I want you to serve. Yes, I want you to give. That's what the Son of Man did, as I did, you should do. That's what he's saying. This is all throughout Scripture. Luke 9, 23 says it this way. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way and take up, let's drop this, take up your cross and follow me. That's the way of Christ. Now, now for those, some of you are out there like, oh, I can't do that. Let me stop then. Then your prayer needs to be, God, help me see the beauty and the glory and the love that you displayed for me on the cross, Jesus. Because when the love of God hits you and really hits you, you lay that eye down. And you're like, I'm, wherever Jesus is going, I'm right behind him. Which will look more like this. And, and you'll do it gladly over, as you get to know him and love him more. You still got to fight this, but it gets easier and easier. So there's a tension. So for Christians, if you're not a Christian, this is all you know. So when I, when I said you got to look like the cross, you're like, uh-uh, because uh-uh, this is all you know. But when you give your life to Christ, when you give him the steering wheel of your life, when you realize you are destined for hell apart from Jesus because of your sin, your rebellion, you're choosing to do your, your definition of good and you move away from God. So, but when you accept Christ as your king and savior, here's the battle. Before there's no battle. Now there's a battle. So time with God is you getting this cross in view so this eye goes down and your life looks more and more like the one who saved you, died for you, and put his spirit inside of you. Okay? So it goes on. We see this even more in the scripture. Paul says this. He says, we always carry the death of Jesus in our body. Now that sounds weird. That sounds morbid. But he's like, no, this is the pattern for how we live. Now why do we live this way? So that the life of Jesus may be displayed in our body. So that the, so people, when they see us, they see serve, they see giver, not taker, not getter. They, they see less of us and more of Jesus, that we represent Christ to the world. So the gospel that gives eternal life is also supposed to shape our everyday life. That's the beautiful thing. When we talk about the church as the, as the hands and feet of Jesus, when we say, you know, you're the only Bible some people in your job, in your family will ever read, what, what, what do they read when they read you? Everybody has this. If, if this is all they see when people see me, if it's going to be an eye on me, right? That's no different than anybody else. But if they realize, man, when, when I gave the steering wheel of my life to Jesus, I, I, I had to lay my eye down and, and pick this up because I see his worth and I'm captured, conquered, captivated, motivated by his love for me. That's Christianity. Our students this weekend in, in, in their Disciple Now Undivided, here, here's a verse that they're studying. Be imitators of God. 
There it is. Be imitators of God, Jesus, as dearly loved children, and walk, live, move, spend your time in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. The cross is the pattern for how we are to live our lives. So beautiful, so powerful. So, with all that said, Jesus now gives them an example to imitate. And and we're going to see practically how this all works itself out. Once you get this concept, which we've been talking about, let's see it practically. So they, they move on and they come to a town called Jericho. But as they're leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the road. So they're on the way to Jerusalem from Jericho. They're going on a road. He's off to the side, and he's a blind beggar because he's helpless. You know, there's no social security. There's no real charity unless somebody comes by and just gives him something. That's, he's 100% dependent upon what, anybody's generosity. And, and, and so when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, the blind beggar, Bartimaeus, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I want us to see this. This is significant. We've been calling Jesus the son of man. Bartimaeus calls him the son of David, which is a position in the Jewish mind, first century, of political power. He's the heir to King David's throne. So when he is appealing to Jesus as powerful. Now, remember, Jesus has said, I am not, and you are not to be like the typical political power holder. You're not to lord it over. So you got to see that in the text, all right? So he says, have mercy upon me. And listen, all the people try to silence him. They warn him, keep quiet. But he was crying out all the more, have mercy on me, son of David. So Jesus has just taught that we're here to serve. He's just taught we're here to give, not get. He's just taught to put your eye down and pick your cross up and follow me. And right now is a real life, real world opportunity. But they assume he's a disruption and he's an interruption. And so they're, shh, be quiet. But he refuses because he's so hungry for grace and so hungry for mercy. And and, and so the tension in the text is, what's Jesus going to do? His disciples still don't get it. His disciples are still, you know, I still don't get it. So, so what, is the, what does God do? What does the King of kings, Lord of lords do? He stopped. The ministry of stopping. Did Jesus have, play, did Jesus have a plan? Yeah, yeah, I, I got to get to Jerusalem. Was he trying to make good time? He stopped, and he said, call him. Call him. Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up. He's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, my teacher, Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and he began to follow Jesus, not by the road. He's on it now. He's a follower. He's moved from bystander, grace hungry. Now he's going to follow in the way of Jesus and the way of Jesus 
is this. Selfless, sacrificial. So Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. Allows himself to be disrupted. Allows someone to get in the way and slow him down. So put all this stuff together. How how do we respond to interruptions? Perceived disruptions to our plans. How, How do we respond when God messes with our plans or doesn't do, quote, his part in our plan? We're frustrated, right? But, but maybe the real question is this, okay? What if the interruption is an invitation? What if the interruption that, that we're tempted, shh, be quiet, quit bothering me. I don't have time to stop. I don't have time to slow down. I got to get somewhere. I got to get to Jerusalem. I got to get... What, what, what if... The interruption is an invitation. Now, now what, what, what I mean, what is invitation to what, Matt? Remember, remember I told you there's this gap, right? My plans, God's purpose. What if the interruption, we're interrupted to invite us into his purpose? What if as we're going about our day, and, and we got to have plans, but what if it's those interruptions that we're so like it's annoyed by? Or, or, or bothered by, or we don't even look at them, or we don't even stop for them, or we don't even want to deal with them. What if those interruptions are really God's invitation? No, 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 my purpose is here. The disciples are like, we got to get to Jerusalem. No, Jesus is like, no, there's a blind guy by the road. I want to get him on the road following me. Because that's my purpose, to invite people into a followership relationship with me. Be- because it isn't God's purpose... People? People interrupt, right? But, but isn't God's purpose? People? Do you know what interrupted Jesus in heaven? He's the Son of God. He's always existed. Jesus is eternal. Do, do you, what, what got Jesus to leave heaven? People needed a ransom. We thought we knew what good to do, and we went and chased our good, and our good put us in bondage and sin because we rejected the good and glorious God. Every one of us has done it. And Jesus like, well, I'll go save them. That's why I'm here. I didn't come to get. I came to give. I didn't come to be served. I be served. I came to serve. And, and, and so his purpose is people, and, and people need grace. People need grace. People are grace-hungry people. And so here's my question for us, okay? We've been talking about time. Can't make time, you only take time. What if God's calling us to take more time for the interruption? To seize and join His purpose. Well, what if God's calling us in the interruption? Because when you get interrupted... You got to you got to you got to lower your eye, don't you? When you get interrupted, oh, ah. but it's an opportunity to pick up a cross and show a grace needy, grace hungry person the selfless, sacrificial 
love of God. So think about it. Think about your life in people you know, places you go, and the things that you do. People you know, the places you go, and the things that you do. Do you even have vision for the interruption? Does your time with God lead you to drop your eye, pick up your cross, and then spend the rest of your day alert for cross-shaped opportunities, often masked as interruptions? So you have to drop that eye and pick up the cross of where you can give, show, and point people to the love of God. So I, I think about we're heading toward Easter. And there's people you know and I know that do not know this. They need an invitation from us, right? We're going to start a new series next week, and I, I'm not going to say what it is. It's gonna, we're going to post um, Monday of this week a, a video from me of why we're doing this new series. And, and every one of us will know somebody or we are somebody who needs this new series. It starts next week. It is a do not miss Something going on I've never seen in 17, 18 years of doing this. And we're going to speak to it. It is an invite-rich series. But to invite, you have to invest. To invite, you might have to go out of your eye way and go the way of the cross. So I want to give you two invitations. The first is this. Where do you need to be alert for the interruption? Time with God that leads you to lower that eye a little bit, raise that cross a little bit, and go through your day, places you go, people you know, things you do, and alert for the interruption. When I reviewed my week, I found at least one or two missed opportunities because I had walked through that particular hour, moment, or minute with this higher than this and this is the switch and it shows up in t-i-m-e now for others of you you are stuck in sin and and you don't know what to do about that or, or you're guilty or you're convicted and we've been talking about Jesus who went to a cross in your place. We've been talking about a God who put his eye down and died even on a cross to ransom you out of sin, to ransom you out of hell, to ransom you out of, uh, out of guilt and out of shame. And, and so my, my question is this. How do you need to say yes to the cross? For some of you, it's with your T-I-M-E, and that's what the Rhythm Series has been focused on. For others of you, you need to say yes, that he died for you. He died instead of you. He died as the ultimate display of love for you, and he invites you to call him king, call him Lord, call him Savior. He invites you to give him the steering wheel of your life and to learn the glory and the beauty of living for this. And not this. If you're ready for Jesus to be your Savior, you know this is your biggest enemy. You know this has led you in places that you can't get out of. And you're on a path that will lead you to a place you would eternally be in. 
But this is the call to take that cross and say, Jesus, I know you died for me. And I'm saying yes to you as best I know how. I'm not, I'm not perfect, and I thank God you don't expect me to be. But as best I know how, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. And I'm going to lay my eye down, and I want to learn to follow you. If you've made that decision, you take that next step card, you go talk to your campus pastor, me, and just say, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Or use that next step card and tell us that, hey, I'm making Jesus my Lord and King. Some of you have some areas you just need prayer for. And I pray you'll share with those with us on the next step cards. So, some of you, some of you, you need, to, you need to write down, hey, I, I, I know when I go to work, I've got to have eyes for the interruption. I know when I'm around my family this weekend, I've got to have eyes for the interruption. And I want to show people the cross, not my eye. And we'll be praying for you. Wherever this hits you, take a step in your soul and in your T-I-M-E. Take a step. And be in rhythm with God. I'm going to pray for all of our campuses. And our ushers will come down. We'll receive our tithes and offerings. Those next step cards, you can place them in the baskets. And then we're going to keep worshiping God. Because this needs to sit. We need to respond and asking God to reign in our hearts. Reign in our time. Reign in our schedule. We need to respond and thank God. We need to thank God that Jesus didn't live for the I. He lived for the cross. Let's pray together. God, we're all people here who need your grace. We're all people here who need your mercy. So, Lord, I just invite you to have your way in every heart, every mind, every soul here today. God, I invite you just to capture our attention with your love for us, that the Son of Man, the Son of David, Jesus Christ, maker, creator of heaven and earth, you came, Jesus, not to be served, but to serve. You came, Jesus, not to get, but to give, and to give your life as a ransom for many. God, I realize there may be some people here today, and today is their day to be included in the many. They're stuck in sin. They're destined for hell. But today they realize you are calling them to be one of the many. And they're going to say yes in their soul to you. They're going to say yes to giving you the steering wheel of their lives for you to be their forgiver, their savior, their Lord, their friend, and their leader. And I praise God for that. God, others, people here today, they're just realizing, hey, I've got to go about my day with a different set of eyes. I've got to have eyes for the interruption. So I can show the cross and so Jesus to people who need grace. God, make this church move in rhythm with you for your glory and your renown. God, anoint, bless, and favor this upcoming series that starts next week. And prepare us as we move into Easter, God. And I pray right now that people would cross from death to life because we allow ourselves to be interrupted and show and invite people into the family of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way in us. We're responding to you and your love for us right now. We pray all these things in the name above all names. King Jesus, our Lord and King. Amen.